The Age of Valor, Volume 1, Heritage, by D. E. Morris. A full cast production, narrated by Conrad Hetzer. The hill was well lit with candles, and a moon not quite full lent its light for further illumination. A small cairn had been built up with rocks and stones of every different shape, size, and color to cover the spot where Briac's crate was buried. Beside the cairn stood two torches, tall and unlit. There was no wind to make the flames of the candles dance, no breeze to rustle the tree branches surrounding them. It was almost as though nature, the giver, was also mourning and could not bear to let anything disrupt this service. Wesley and Emmeline were there, as well as No and Nuala. The winged king had also been friends with the old man and wanted to pay his respects. There were many from the village, including those who brought instruments to play softly as others came and joined in the ceremony. They were there out of respect for what Briac had sacrificed for them. Each person in attendance held their own candle and laid a new stone on the cairn. Briac's family sent their thanks for his service, but were not in attendance. They didn't agree with the choice he'd made to take part in Tig's assassination, but they would mourn the loss of him. The three monks who had accepted him as a brother, however, were there in the family's stead. By the time it was Kinaid and Ashland's turn to go up, the pile of stones was so colorful that it was unusually beautiful in the moonlight. Knowing what it covered took some of that beauty away. Kinaid was sniffling through her tears as she put a dark gray rock with glittering mica among the others. When she was done, she kissed her fingers and touched them to the stone before going to stand with her parents. Finally, Ashlyn approached. She was downcast, but not teary. Holding her sandstone before the pile, she hesitated. Her eyes swept over the faces of all who had known Briac and had been touched by him in some way. Briac was a good man. He was someone who enjoyed life and everything about it, even the trials. In the darkest of moments, he could find the light. He was so strong when Canade and I felt weak, so faithful. Slightly unorthodox, but he loved the giver. Briac was sweet, kind, caring, and extremely stubborn. And I loved him dearly. Ashlyn kissed her stone before adding it to the others. Be at peace, my dear, sweet friend. Stepping back to stand with Jaren, a soft breeze began to play around them, and silence settled over the group for a long moment. Then, someone started humming. It was a song of loss that was old and easy to recognize. As Ashlyn closed her eyes, she started singing the words. 
With a deep breath in, Ashlyn opened her eyes to look at the dark can. A single thought had it ablaze in brilliant blue and gold flames. This was Briac's send-off. As Ashlyn opened her mouth to sing again, more voices joined in. undeniable electric current of excitement in the air. Briac was gone from this life to be with the giver forevermore. It was a time to celebrate, not to mourn. walked in one large procession away from the valley and into the streets of Altane Shire. A general feeling of levity rushed through the crowd as the festivities of the evening began. The capital of Senes was similar to Amei, without the arrogance of its people. Those who resided in the shadow of Castle Altane were kind and caring putting others before themselves and ever loyal to Canade and Ashland. Like any other town, there were disagreements and scuffles, but for the most part, it was a place of peace and unity. On an usual evening, there would be little movement about the place, though it was never perfectly still and quiet. Tonight, Altain was bustling with activity. Shops were still open, lanterns were lit in every corner, and the tavern was practically bursting at the seams for all the patrons inside. Out further from the town was the fairground, where fires were going, music was being played, and laughter was hanging in the air like a song. Sweet scents of honey-glazed nuts, mixed with the salty aroma of roasting meats, caused empty mouths to water. Long past her preferred bedtime, Ashlyn felt like she had been greeted by every individual in her kingdom, as well as those from others as she'd passed through the crowds. Some would walk by her with a smile and a greeting, and the gestures would be returned. Some from the jousting arena even cajoled, 
trying to get her to join in on their fun and games. At present, she sat on the gentle sloping hill on one side of the bustling contest grounds, watching the celebration going on inside of it. She had been able to let Briac go, along with a portion of all her sadness. All Celts learned at an early age that death was not an end to weep over, but a new beginning to celebrate. It was the guilt that was reluctant to leave. Looking away from the games being played inside the arena, Ashlyn lifted her gaze to the sky. There were no clouds overhead, and the millions of stars burned brightly with cold light. She traced familiar patterns with her eyes, amused at the thought of those who read fortunes by starlight, and imagining Briac already trying to rearrange them just to confuse people. The simple thought of it made her smirk to herself even as someone sat down beside her. I was wondering if I would get to see that smile again. Ashlyn lowered her gaze from above to rest on No's face. She looked warmly upon him, affection swirling her heart. There was something about this white-winged man that brought the tenderness out in people. He was always smiling and optimistic, gentle and peaceful. It made even the angriest person want to be around him all the time. What is your gift now? If I have one, I do not know what it is. You must have one. All Valorum do. It is directly connected to your spirit, creature. Mine is but a bird, a dove with no magical powers. Thoughtful, Ashlyn lifted a hand to run her fingers over Nose's wings, as only one privilege with a close friendship could. She felt the hard spine of each feather and the silky threads of the plumage. I do not believe you a simple bird. Oh no? Frowning, Ashlyn shook her head. She retracted her hand and met Noah's eyes. You calm people with just your presence. You fill a person with peace and hope. <laughs> How much meat have you had tonight? Not nearly enough. And don't laugh. I am quite serious. No one can instantly calm me and lift my spirits as you do. Not even Jaren. But you may not see it. I believe that to be your gift. Now you are embarrassing me. Where is your beloved? I had hoped to speak more with the man who won the heart of my wild childhood friend. Your guess is truly as good as mine. Ashlyn let her gaze sweep the faces inside the arena. She was surprised not to see Jaren there once the games had gotten underway, and shouts of cheering and cursing began. Team sports were his favorite games. Though we have not spoken, just from what I saw watching him during council and the service for Briac, I can tell he suits you well. I have never met anyone quite like him. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that before. That does not surprise me. Across the arena, on the other side of the wall, some of the Valarum had come to watch the games. They seemed amused at the simplicity of them, making comments to themselves about the poor, grounded humans, no doubt. Nuala was among them, though she was the exception to the joking. She stood close to the wall and watched with genuine interest. Noala seems lovely. 
very sweet. She is. He saw her as well, and looked on her with adoring eyes. Though do not let your initial meeting fool you. She has quite the spirit about her. Not nearly as demure as she appears to be once familiar with someone. As though sensing she were the subject of discussion somewhere, Nuala looked away from the games and eventually found the two sitting on the hillside. No waved her over. With the grace befitting her status, she left the small group of her kindred to make her way over to her husband. Her gait was slow, with her head turned toward the field. The long white dress she wore brushed the ground as she walked, the trails of her colorful feathers like streams of fire behind her. How are you finding the celebration, mon amour? No rose to greet her with a kiss on the lips. Much to my delight. She dipped her head to Ashlyn. Your Majesty. Please, we are no longer in council and have no need of formalities. You may call me by my name if I am free to call you by yours. Of course. With a shy smile, Nuala sat in the place No had been, while he sat on the other side of her. I feel as though I already know you. No has spoken so much about you. How unfair that you should know so much of me when I know so little of you. Ashlyn looked past Nuala to narrow her eyes at No. What have you been gossiping about? Not gossip. My husband thinks very highly of you. And I him. No has always been like a brother to me. It gladdens me to know that he has found someone that lights up his face, as he so often lightens others. His hands found Nuala's and their fingers entwined. She looked at No, love in her turquoise eyes. He was meant for me. No's free hand brushed her cheek. He was my gift from the giver. There it was again. Ashlyn looked away from the couple, thoughts turning back to what Jaren had said earlier. He said they had been made for each other, designed by the giver himself to fit perfectly together. Here, even Nuala expressed her belief in him. Why was it so hard for Ashlyn? I saw you watching the games. Would you like to learn how to play? I think I would. They looked at Ashlyn as though asking permission to be excused. When she realized as much, she smiled an apology. Of course. Go. Have fun. Watch out for the old man with the blue trousers. He takes his games very seriously. The pair stood, grinning. Thank you for the warning. Whatever that shadow is lurking behind your smile, I suggest you speak to Jarin about it. There is a reason he is called your partner. They were sage words, and though Ashton expected no less from No, she wrinkled her nose at him. She stayed a little longer to watch the pair be introduced to the games. When someone told them there was no flying allowed, their wings disappeared completely in a shimmer of golden-white light. No, having spent much of his time growing up with humans, as a squire to Wesley at Oceana, was familiar with the rules. Since Nuala was not, she was allowed to practice hit and run at stool ball. Her paddle made good contact when the ball was thrown to her. It went sailing and Nuala ran, 
She squealed in glee as she rounded the base and headed back to home. Running straight for No, who was cheering her on behind it, she made it back before anyone had tagged the base. No caught her and lifted her off the ground in a victorious twirl. Ashlyn could not help but smile. Yes, it would seem the two truly had been made for each other. She was glad to see No so happy with such a sweet and loving wife. Standing, Ashlyn brushed herself off and left the arena to find Jaren, her ever-present guards trailing behind her. Everywhere people were gathered in crowds of varying sizes. Some were outside, some were filling homes when there was no more room in the tavern. Fire pits were lit everywhere, including the large one near the heart of the town where music filtered in on the wind. In her search for Jaren, she found her sister and Elos, as well as Wesley and Emmeline, sitting around one of the sporadic fire pits, listening to a young bard with several of the villagers. Ashlyn! The high voice that called to her with familiarity and a thick Ibeish accent had her frowning, turning to see who would be so bold as to call her by her name. Seeing the young woman rushing toward her lessened the sternness in her expression, though not before it was seen. Forgive me, your majesty. Kylan. Ashlyn greeted her friend by grabbing her hands and squeezing them, stopping the younger woman from bowing. I am so happy to see you here. Kylan's lips turned upward. She was practically glowing. I had to come when we were told you were sailing back for Sanas, and preparations were being made to come here. I begged to come along. I knew it wasn't necessary for the representative to go, since the High King himself was going. But I had to see you. It was impossible not to smile, despite the leftover heaviness from her conversation with No. And Ashlyn shook her head. You've come a long way from a kitchen maid at Oceana. All thanks to you. In fact, did you know, I'm one of the few women in the castle of not of noble birth who can read. If you hadn't taught me, or put in a good word with the King Sheriff, I never would have been more than a servant. I'm so thankful. You were my very best friend in that castle, Kai. It was the least I could do. I am pleased to see you thriving in an environment that suits you. Ah, oh, the same for you. Being the head of a nation suits you, even if it's not official yet. I'm sorry about the loss of your friend. Ashlyn's throat tightened. Thank you. I apologize for having to cut our conversation short, but I was looking for Jaren. Have you seen him? Hmm, can't say that I have, but that's not too surprising with so many people moving about. Kylan gave a little bow of her head and let go of Ashlyn's hands. Aye, don't let me keep you. We'll talk again soon. I would like that very much. Ashlyn watched her friend leave, another wave of nostalgia washing over her and adding to the weight in her chest. Determined now, she pushed her way through crowds of people and avoided eye contact in hopes of preventing being held up even more. After searching most of the places she expected to find him, Ashton was beginning to feel as though she'd walked the entire maze of the city streets. She was about to give up and go back to her family when the sound of dice rolling on a wooden table caught her attention. Jaren was too social a creature to be sitting at a simple board game, and yet that was exactly where she found him. 
At a table outside of a quaint little home, there were six of them in total, quietly conversing over dice and cards. Three of them were elves, one male and two female, one pale-skinned Najin man, a man from the village, and Jaren. He appeared to be game master, dealing out cards as they were needed. At present, it appeared they were speaking in elvish. They were the majority at the table, and such was custom as long as everyone else could speak the language as well. Standing far enough away so as not to be easily spotted, but close enough to listen, Ashton watched her beloved. Something the Nagina said, too quietly for Ashlyn to hear, had them all chuckling. She was hypnotized, not for the first time, by Jaren's smile. He lit up the entire area with his laugh and energy. It was intimate moments like this that would make him a great king. Why there had been less contest than expected at her engagement to the wandering bard. He was personable, accessible, and someone the people would willingly look to for leadership. Conversing back, he was careful at choosing his words so as not to say the wrong ones or use an incorrect dialect. He had traveled to a variety of places and learned so many different languages, much more than Ashlyn knew herself. It was easy to understand why he was so careful. Sometimes she found it hard to imagine that he had once been a young boy, moving from place to place, singing songs of history, great romance, and epic tragedy. It had been a long time since she'd heard him sing. Now she had a sudden longing ache for his voice. One of the female elves rolled the dice. Whatever came up had the others groaning and cringing while she looked victorious. Jaren complimented her luck, and the elfin maiden blushed in the lamplight. It made Ashlyn smile. For all Jaren teased her about the men who had been, and were occasionally still, after her affection, he had his own admirers. He was just oblivious to them because his eyes always remained on Ashlyn. A lump formed in her throat, as she couldn't understand why. Stepping into the shadows of an unlit alley, Ashlyn leaned against the side of the house and looked skyward. She searched the darkness for answers to unspoken questions, afraid to let her mind form words that her mouth refused to speak. She didn't understand the sudden hollowness, or the almost violent need for something, or someone. Because she was so skilled in her own magic, Ashlyn did not need to see Jaren to let him know she was there, or that she needed him. The flames in the lantern suddenly changed color, the blue and gold giving off more of an ethereal light than usual. Everyone at the table blinked their surprise, shying away from the foreign flames. Except for Jaren. He handed the deck of cards to the familiar villager and stood with a bow of his head. My lords and ladies, it has been a pleasure. As soon as he was away from the table, the flames turned back to normal. Not knowing where she was, only that Ashton was near, Jaren would have walked right past the alley if she hadn't reached out and grabbed his arm. He was startled, and appeared even more so when he saw her troubled expression. He began to speak, but Ashton put a finger to her lips. With her hand in his, she led Jaren down the alley and through a series of several more. They passed through the outskirts of the village, and made their way into the open fields beyond. For the way it looked, everyone was in the heart of the village and no one was at home. Permission to speak, your majesty? 
He was joking, thinking she had pulled him away so they could be alone. As she turned to him now, however, he could see how troubled she really was. What is it? I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. There is nothing wrong with you. He moved to take her other hand, but Ashlyn backed away as though not wanting to be touched. She clutched at her neckline, a panic rising. Yes, there is. I feel like... I don't know. I feel like I am missing a part of myself. Of course you do, love. You saw Briac every day for... He trailed off as Ashlyn shook her head. That's not it. I wish it was, because then I could name it. I could identify it and figure out how to address it, to make it better and to move on. Then what is it? I don't know. Turning away from Jaren, Ashton ran her hands over her face. It started when you told me I was your gift. It was this raw, gnawing feeling. Then when I was speaking with Noah and Walla, she said the same thing, that no was her gift from the giver. I keep hearing his name. It popped up everywhere in everyday, normal conversations. So I started wondering what it was that was so appealing about this great dragon we all claim to love and trust. And I realized that no one was claiming anything but me. Everyone truly loves and believes. Yes, we do. I started looking at everyone, thinking, trying to figure out what the difference was between you, all of you, and me. What made you stand out once you were a true believer? And what conclusion did you come to? Now Ashlyn turned around. She looked like a child who could not find her parents. You were at peace, all the time. Not all the time. But you are. She moved toward him, placing open palms on his chest. You get upset, you get flustered, you're conflicted, and yet there is peace. I feel all of those things, and I appear to remain calm, but on the inside I am tormented. I know. Ashlyn, it used to be the same for me. I was a much different person before you knew me. Before I came to know the giver. Tell me. Tell me everything. Tell me anything you can to make this feeling go away. I will tell you. But you must understand that the choice to fill the emptiness is yours. Nothing I can say or, or do will be your remedy, my love. She nodded, though it was hard to tell if she really understood. Come with me. Jaren took her by the hand, feeling how chilly her fingers were. He led her to a cold ring of stones, a communal fire ring for the few houses nearby. Ashlyn lit it with her own fire and sat before it. Her emotions were erratic and strong, and the flames moved in the same manner. One moment they would be dull, the next they would be so high it was as though they were trying to burn the stars. Sitting beside Ashlyn, Jaren held her hands and rubbed them to try to get them warm again. When I was a boy, I was always getting into trouble. 
My parents, bless them, they never knew what a new day would bring. I'd come home with black eyes and split lips. I stole. I cheated. I cared for no one but myself. I was born with the need to, to be the best at everything and to prove that I needed no one. He smirked, though there was shame in his eyes. By the time I'd reached my eighth birthday, my mother had passed and my poor father had no idea what to do with me. It was a bard just passing through who took special interest in me. He happened to be present when I was in the middle of a scuffle. When the fight was broken up, he offered to be the one to take me home. On the way, I spoke almost nothing to him, but he had no problem filling the silence between us with his own voice. He told me of how he saw much of himself in me, and by the time we'd reached my home, he had offered to take me with him when he left. Darling, your mentor... I remember you telling me of him. Dolan was such a gentle and peaceful man, and his tales of travel seduced me. I wasn't happy at home, and I knew I could sing, so to go with him seemed the natural choice. How did your father feel? Relieved. Dolan and I left just a few days later, and so began my life as a bard. It didn't take me long to love the man as I'd never loved or respected my father. He treated me with more kindness and patience than my own father ever had. And that started my change. When someone believes that you're better than you are, you strive to prove that you can be that noble. Besides, he was hardly ever crooked or offensive and people flocked to him in a way that I'd never seen before. It wouldn't do for his apprentice to be seen as some dirty-mouthed little urchin. Dolan wasn't the best singer. He wasn't terrible, but I've heard better. Yet everywhere we went, he made friends and never grew weary or chose to keep company with the fair over the fowl. I can't remember what prompted me to do so, but one day I asked him, what kept him so positive and happy? He said if I wanted to know, I would wake up early the next morning and go with him. I was to ask no questions, pass no judgments, and make no comments until they were asked for. Where did he take you? To the most beautiful place I have ever seen. There was a soft glow of nostalgia about Jaren as he spoke. A light shone in his gaze that could not be ignored. The very way he sat changed, as though he had particular pride in this part of his tale. To tell the truth, there was nothing all that spectacular about the old building. It was falling apart in places and desperately needed architectural attention. Inside, there was no place to sit save for the benches along the wall for the weak and the weary. I didn't understand what the reason could be for going to such an odd place or why it was filled with people as it was. My first thought was that there was going to be a performance, some kind of a show from which Dolan drew his inspiration. But it was not as you expected. This was a tale she had heard a few times before, but now it was taking on a new meaning. Once it had been about the bard and the kindness he'd expressed to her beloved. Now she understood more of the motivation behind such kindness. Somehow, it made the familiar story new. They opened with a long spell of singing, such singing as I'd never heard before. The talent behind the notes mattered little, no one was listening to anyone else. With eyes closed and faces and hands lifted to the broken roof above them, people were praising. Though I didn't fully understand it at that exact moment, 
I could most certainly appreciate it. Dolan had spoken of the giver before, the great dragon who gave this world life. It was simply a subject I'd learned to tune out or ignore. But to see this grown man, my teacher, weeping for all the love and devotion he could not contain, it was enough to make me pay attention. You never told me that, Bart. I've never felt led to. You've never been receptive enough to truly hear. Please go on. The praises and the worship went on for a long time. Even when the old priest spoke, some still sang quietly or hummed to themselves. Normally the speaking is where anyone of interest would have lost me, but I couldn't have stopped listening, even if I'd wanted to. It was... It was as though the words he had chosen were meant to speak directly to me. He was speaking of the giver and the great sacrifice he offered so that we, his children, would be spared the life of separation from him. He gave up his life, at least his life here, so that we may walk free and someday be with him again on a new earth. You know the story of the great dragon. The god of gods, how the oceans roiled in his eyes, his breath misted into the skies. The shadow of his wings brought forth the night, and the holy light emanating from his scales bore the new dawn each morning. The fire in his belly was unmatched by any other blaze, and every creature on earth found residence among the forests and deserts and pools that covered his enormous body. One of these creatures fell from his grace, thinking himself capable of more power, more greatness, he became the one we call the Deceiver. Good and evil. Aye. There are many that believe that they were the first true elementals, though there's no proof to that theory. What is written is that the Deceiver tempted man and creature alike, promising them wealth, power, fame, everything that they could possibly want, drawing them away from the Giver. It was a dark time in our history when man thought more of himself than of anyone else. The world was under a sort of spell, one created by slick words and lies that became easier to believe than the truth, especially when immortality was promised. We were enslaved to the deceiver and had all but turned our back on the one who gave us life. How... how were we freed? Well... Jaron was silent for a moment, and his eyes remained closed, watching him... Somehow Ashton knew he was praying. He was struggling with emotion, with finding the right words. As his eyes slowly opened, she instinctively reached for his hand. He was teary and pulled her close. The great dragon offered himself to the deceiver. A ransom to be paid with his own life in order that we might go free. He lowered himself enough so that he was as fragile as those he had created. He stood proud and looked out over his creation before lowering his head in submission. It was at that moment the deceiver and his minions took him over. He suffered a long night of beatings and provocations being wrapped in chains and thorns, so jagged they cut into his scales and tore rents into his flesh. At daybreak, the deceiver finally came to him and asked him if he would yield. If the great dragon 
admitted he was powerless, and far from the benevolent giver everyone regarded him as. The deceiver would let him live, and send him away, becoming an exile while the deceiver ruled the earth. But he remained silent, and did not answer him. But why? Why did he not speak up and proclaim who he was? Why did he not return to his full power when she knew the deceiver would keep us captive, even with his sacrifice? Many had already turned away from him and did not believe in who he said he was. They didn't see the truth of his words when he tried to tell them that they were being led astray and that the only path to true, never-ending life was through him. But his words fell on deaf ears. He could have spoken all day, and still they would not have believed. Their minds had already been made up. Thinking he had won, the deceiver took the broken and defeated great dragon and threw him down into the deepest valley. Twisted vines and brambles grew up over his body, tearing scale and flesh, drinking from his blood to grow strong as they encased him. Nature had begun to bow to the power of the deceiver and followed his command. Even the mountains crumbled to cover the great dragon with boulders while the wild animals picked at his body and played games around him. Finally, he was so covered by the very earth he had created that he could be seen no longer. The deceiver, it seemed, had won. They said... If he was truly the god of all gods, he could save himself. And yet, the earth remained undisturbed while his murderers laughed and danced around his grave, singing songs of victory. No more words were spoken for some time, the only sound of the night being the fire and Ashland's tears. Even the sounds from the village-wide celebration had somehow been muted. I don't understand. Why did he not save himself? Why would he let them hurt him so? Because then we would not be saved from the wrath of the deceiver. The giver's blood flowed to protect us from this fate, my love. He let all those terrible things happen, knowing they were going to happen, to save us, to rescue us from the deceiver. His life for ours. It looked like he had won that day, but what the deceiver did not understand was that the blood that was spilled would save us. So long as we trust in the great dragon's plan, the deceiver cannot touch us. We are not his, but we belong to the one who gave his life for ours. Do you understand that? I do, but I don't understand why. Why save us? What makes us small, insignificant creatures so special? Jaren's voice was soft as he got on his knees before her. We are his children. You are his cherished one. We all are his cherished ones. Would you not die to protect Kinaid, someone you loved beyond explanation? Would you not suffer terrible things so that she wouldn't have to? It's the same way with the giver. 
but you said he died for me. I didn't want or ask him to. Never would I want anyone to die in my stead. He didn't need to be asked. Jaren ran a hand over her hair. He did it because he wanted to, Ashlyn. He did it so that you would come to him with this broken heart and open up to him, to join him in his work and believe. I do. I do. In my heart I have always believed. But to put my faith in someone I cannot see or touch... Forgive me for pushing you away for so long. Jaren took her hands in his, pressing them gently as he pressed his lips to her fingers. Bowing his head, he closed his eyes. Dear sweet giver, how we love you, and how our hearts break for the sacrifice you made for us. Great dragon, I thank you for your unfathomable love, and thank you for Dolan. Without him... I don't know if I would be as faithful to you as I am today. I ask you now to be with Ashlyn. Show her how much you love her and cherish her now that she can truly see. I thank you so much for her. Thank you for bringing her into my life. Thank you for the opportunity to share you with her tonight. Thank you for the right words, because I know they did not come from me but from you. Thank you. Ashlyn's own eyes were closed, and her head bowed. There was so much more she wanted to say, to try to express, but it was all a jumble of wordless emotion within her. Her heart felt full of both joy and sadness at the same time, reflecting on all Jaren had told her. The pair was silent for some time, Jaren only continued when he was certain Ashlyn had nothing else to say out loud. Be with us in these coming days, that we may honor you in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Ashlyn echoed the closing sentiment, and they both stayed with their heads bowed and hands clasped for some time. Eventually, Ashlyn opened her red and tired eyes to look at Jaren. What about three days later? The question seemed to surprise him at first, but surprise gave way to a grin. So, you didn't completely tune out all of your lessons as a child? Not all of them. Three days later, the earth was torn asunder and the valley was little more than a pit. The great dragon was gone, risen to prepare a new home for us all beside him on a new earth. I like happy endings. But it's not over yet. Jaren brushed the hair from her face. There is so much more to come. Using the hem of her sleeve, Ashlyn dried her eyes. What became of Dolan? After the service, he and I had a conversation much like this one. Only I was the one in tears. I had so many questions that he was willing and patient enough to answer. We did something that was rather symbolic. Getting up, Jaren jogged to one of the houses and searched by the woodpiles. When he came back, he had two small branches in his hand. 
As Ashland stood, he gave one to her. What is this for? The giver, buried under rocks and vines and great trees that sprang to life over his body. He took all of our sins upon himself so that we might be free of them. These branches come from those trees. Symbolically, of course. Throwing them into the fire to watch them burn is more of a tangible way of watching our past missteps be taken from us. We confess and ask for forgiveness and then throw them in. Our mistakes are turned to ashes and we are no longer yesterday's men. Yesterday's men? Aye, the men we were yesterday. Jaron smiled gently and gave a nod. Throw it into the fire and speak your heart with him. Ashlyn stared at the flames a moment before tossing her branch in. Jaron did the same, and they were quiet, each lost in their own private conversation with the giver. After a time, Ashlyn took a deep breath. Ready to go back? He moved closer to her, wrapping his arms around her. No. I think I want to take some time by myself for now. I can understand that. Dipping his head, he kissed her lips. If you have any questions about anything, come find me. Or your parents. Someone. Just don't be afraid to ask. Ashlyn nodded, smiling her answer. Jaren let her go and started back to the village. He turned around in time to watch a transformation he had missed seeing the past year. Ashlyn's small frame grew, turning from human to dragon with the ease of a skilled shifter. The pain still came upon her, but she had been doing it long enough now that she knew how to ignore it. She was beautiful in the moonlight, shimmering golden scales and massive wings that extended well over the length of any normal jousting arena. Turning to look back at Jaren, her green eyes were filled with a peace he had never seen. Her strong legs pushed away from the ground as her wings felt the air around them. Jaren had to hold an arm across his face to keep debris from getting into his eyes. When the wind had died and he was able to look, she was gone. Flying had always been freeing for Ashton. The air was familiar to her in a way she could not describe. She could feel the changing currents and drafts, knowing when to bank and use the wind, and when to use her wings to move herself. Tonight, the air was cold and crisp, and the sky was clear from clouds. Ashton flew high, exulting in the freedom of the air and marveling at how different everything looked to her now. She saw everything with a new beauty and as a gift. Even her city, far below with labyrinthine streets carefully woven around Altain to make an intricate knotted design that could only be seen by flyers, seemed magical to her. Tears came to her again, but not the tears of someone broken. These were tears of someone filled with love and joy, someone becoming whole. On the streets of the capital, every face turned skyward, as a trumpeting cry rang above them. They could see the golden dragon soaring among the stars, turning circles and truly enjoying her flight. Many knew the dragon and smiled at seeing it. Gales with the ability to fly soon shifted as well, joining her in the sky. 
Even the Volar, with their wings of many different shapes and colors, joined the dragons. It was not long before the stars were blotted out by magical beasts. A perfect ending to a night that had held so many emotions for them all. <laughs>